Welcome to Invited In. A special feature we'd like to include within this podcast is something that was heavy on my heart was the need for spiritual refreshment within the ministry. And I know the staff has devotions often and they are fed and encouraged and equipped. Uh, This is an added tool for families to tune in together and discuss. And this week we have Sam again, a staff chaplain, sharing a devotion with us. And we hope this will be a regular feature within our podcast in the future. Hello, this is Sam again, and I'm really glad to have this opportunity to share with you uh, just a few things from Scripture, looking into Paul's letter to Timothy, his second letter to Timothy. When you think about Paul at that stage in his life, and that he is down possibly to just weeks or months before his ministry on this earth is complete, and you can only imagine what's going through his mind and his heart, looking back and reflecting back with good memories and also with memories of difficult times. And of course, he's writing to Timothy. And it shows us something about the Apostle Paul and how he loved people and how he was an example to Timothy. And he must have been very patient. He was very intentional but he took time with people. And I find it fascinating as a study with the Apostle Paul of how he remembers people and took them under his wings, as he did with Timothy. And so in 2 Timothy, he introduces things as grace, mercy, and peace from God, the Father, and Christ Jesus our Lord. And he writes, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. And so that's how he looked at young Timothy. And he goes on and he addresses, I believe, in part of this first chapter in Second Timothy, three key areas, not only that he had dealt with, but that also Timothy had dealt with. And the first one is fear. He addresses this issue with Timothy, but he's reflecting back, I'm sure, on his own life. And he says at verse 7, "'For God has not given us a spirit of fear,' but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And that was an encouraging word to Timothy. It's an encouraging word to us. Sometimes we fall captive to some form of fear. Maybe it's the fear of failure or the fear of inadequacy or the fear resulting from lack of assurance of our own destination fear of not being able to fulfill a mission, just any number of things. It's such a common human emotion. And so Paul is addressing this. As Jesus did, so often said, Fear thou not, for I'm with thee. So we find that Paul is developing this, and he talked about how God has saved us who believe and who've received Jesus Christ as Lord 
have embraced him in faith. He said he saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. And then he says, but now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So he addresses fear with Timothy. As we read the Word of God, he's addressing us through the Word about fear. But here he's transitioning to a greater power that Jesus has abolished death. That's a major, eternal, cosmic undertaking. Only Christ could have done that. And he did it at the cross with his own precious blood. And he confirmed it at the resurrection, being resurrected from death. And he says, to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. And then he continues, and this is kind of our focus verse here in this little section. Thinking back on what he had written earlier to the Philippians, that he, meaning Christ, who began a good work in us, will bring it to completion or carry it on to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So that was a great word of assurance that tells us that whatever God begins, he always finishes. And you know how frustrating it might be for yourself if you can't quite finish a project, however simple it might be, or maybe even more complex. Or maybe where someone has not fulfilled a promise to you and they haven't been able to come through for you. So we deal with these kind of human things that go back and forth and through all of life in different ways. But here we learn whatever God begins, he does complete, and we can count on it. So this third category is hope. And he says at verse 12, For this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. God will complete it. He continues to complete us. We're not complete in our faith when we first come to Christ, except that by his grace we're saved. Works will never purchase it, could never purchase it. It's a gift of God. And so that salvation is complete as it will ever be. But we're not as complete in our own maturity. We all know that and have examples and have had experiences in that. But Paul, writing to this young pastor, this young servant of Christ, he even reflected on his suffering, his physical suffering. And he said, as a result, he was not ashamed. 
some of his opponents and that time of a misunderstanding of the grace of God would have said he was really less than an apostle because he shouldn't have experienced suffering if he was really an apostle. Well, that's not true. But that's what some were teaching and what some were saying. So that's why Paul also, especially to the Corinthians, reflected on his weakness. He said that the strength of Christ is actually made perfect in my weakness. And so it was with suffering. I'm not ashamed, for I know not my strengths and my gifts, not my academic experience, not anything I've done, not my position in life and not my title. It's not based on that. I'm not ashamed because I know whom I have believed. I'm not ashamed because I know the Lord Jesus Christ, and He knows me. He knew me before I was born, and He will carry me through life, and He will carry me on into eternity, and even there will not be separated from Him. I know whom I have believed, and that He is able, He is able to keep what I have committed unto him against that day. He has placed the collateral against our debt of sin with his own precious blood at the cross. That debt has been paid. It cannot be added to in any way, shape, or form. Sometimes that's where different groups or factions or individuals can go off track when they add something to what the gospel has already said so clearly. What Paul says here is permanent. I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed unto him against that day. Reflecting back on our lives, we think of the experiences that we've had of, of great joy and of triumph, and have also had other experiences that were not joyful and certainly didn't feel triumphant, but how God and His grace brought us through and, and into places of ministry we never would have imagined, because He who began that good work in us will bring it to completion. And then the more we see and the more we live for Christ, the more we begin to understand how he's been at work in our lives and in our hearts uh, through these many years. It's especially poignant for me right now because I'm in my 50th year of anniversaries in many ways. It's very interesting, at least to me, but it's the year of my 50th high school reunion. High school was not easy for me. It was during the Vietnam era, as it's been described. There was a lot of confusion and turmoil and a lot of, of personal kinds of experiences that people had that were ruined in many ways because of a failure in the breakdown in the educational system and breakdowns in government. Just lots of issues and lots of struggles 
and lots of problems. And I remember how difficult my senior year of high school was. And although I'd been looking forward to it, I began asking the question, what is my purpose? Why am I here? There's got to be something bigger and something more powerful. And I held on to a simple faith, but I still really did not know the Lord Jesus Christ. I was brought up in a family that we always went to church. Even if we had gone out of town, we'd find a church to go to. And I tried so hard to be a good boy, and I failed so miserably. I remember helping my widowed grandmother, working on her old Ford, and thinking, you know, this is a good thing to do. This adds to my virtuous life. These are kind of the ways I was thinking, just doing something good. Oh, that's common to so many people. The 50th high school reunion is now coming up. And there's been a lot of time between that era in my life and now. But rewinding just a little bit, another 50th anniversary was with Apollo 11 that took place when Neil Armstrong walked onto the surface of the moon and talked about that one small step for mankind that took place on July the 20th. And I was watching that by live television. Of course, it was much delayed from what we have now, but it was actually the technology was really good. It was excellent. And my brothers and a friend were able to watch this, and we invited a neighbor over, in fact, it was to us an important event, an historical event that I'll never forget. And then even during that time, I was really excited about it because I was always interested in science. But I was thinking, there's something more. There's something more powerful than I, at that point, could imagine. But as I moved down in this 50th anniversary year of mine, the greatest celebration will come, the Lord willing, on August the 20th of this year. Fifty years. It was on a Wednesday night when I walked into this large auditorium with a youth conference thinking as a freshman in college, you know, this might be something good for me. It might help me to be a better person. And I went Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and then I saw this banner they had over top of the, the front point of this uh, auditorium that said, doing his thing. And I said, oh, you know, this doesn't sound quite right. Uh, it, it almost sounds a little bit irreverent. But it wasn't. They were talking about the living Christ. And the gospel became clear to me for the first time in my life. And on that Wednesday night, on August the 20th, 1969, in the best way I knew how, I gave my heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. The rest is history now. But there's yet more to be lived, of course, as we seek to serve Christ. Just recently, Reflecting back on my high school career, which was less than stellar, 
But I tried, and I attempted to be a good student and not get into trouble and this sort of thing, and yet I failed. But I thought, well, I don't even know how many people I will remember in that 50th anniversary because we had 502 in our graduating class. And then I, I get an email asking me if I would have the invocation and tell a story at that first event in the opening night. And I can only think back on what Paul said, for I am persuaded that he is able, that he alone is able to complete that part of our life and use us for his glory. He is persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that's what he wrote to the Romans in the latter part of chapter 8. So the Word of God is a great treasure. The Bible, the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments are great treasures. But we also learn from Paul in Colossians 2 that it's Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Remember, he is able. He can overcome the fear and replace it with the power of hope, his hope, hope and his finished work. God bless you. Thank you.